part one chapters ten through fourteen of anne severn and the fieldings by may sinclair this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part one children chapter ten they were saying now that colin was wonderful he was only seven yet he could play the piano like a grown-up person very fast and with loud noises in the bass and he could sing like an angel when you heard him you could hardly believe that he was a little boy who cried sometimes and was afraid of ghosts two masters came out from cheltenham twice a week to teach him elliot said colin would be a professional when he grew up but his mother said he should be nothing of the sort and elliot wasn't to go putting nonsense like that into his head still she was proud of colin when his hands went pounding and flashing over the keys anne had to give up practising because she did it so badly that it hurt colin to hear her he wasn't in the least conceited about his playing not even when gerald stood beside him and looked on and said clever col col isn't he a wonderful kid look at him look at his little hands all over the place he didn't think playing was wonderful he thought the things that gerald did were wonderful with his child's legs and arms he tried to do the things that gerald did they told him he would have to wait nine years before he could do them he was always talking about what he would do in nine years time and there was the day of the walk to high slaughter through the valley of the speed to the valley of the wind load five miles there and back elliot and gerald and anne had tried to sneak out when colin wasn't looking but he had seen them and came running after them down the field calling to them to let him come elliot shouted we can't call call it's too far but colin looked so pathetic standing there in the big field that gerald couldn't bear it i think he said we might let him come yes let him anne said rot he can't walk it i can said colin i can i tell you he can't if he's tired he'll be sick in the night and then he'll say it's ghosts colin's mouth trembled it's all right col col you're coming gerald held out his hand well said elliot if he crumples up you can carry him i can said gerald so can i said anne nobody said colin shall carry me i can walk elliot went on grumbling while colin trotted happily beside them you're a fearful ass gerald you're simply ruining that kid he thinks he can come butting into everything here's the whole afternoon spoiled for all three of us he can't walk you'll see he'll drop out in the first mile i shan't gerald and he didn't he struggled on down the fields to upper speed and along the river meadows to lower speed and hayes mill and from hayes mill to high slaughter it was when they started to walk back that his legs betrayed him slackening first then running because running was easier than walking for a change then dragging then being dragged between anne and gerald for he refused to be carried then staggering stumbling stopping dead his child's mouth drooping then gerald carried him on his back with his hands clasped under colin's soft hips colin's body slipped every minute and had to be jerked up again and when it slipped his arms tightened round gerald's neck strangling him at last gerald too staggered and stumbled and stopped dead i'll take him said elliot he forbore nobly to say i told you so and by turns they carried him from the valley of the wind-load to the valley of the speed past hayes mill through lower speed upper speed and up the fields to wick manor then up the stairs to the schoolroom pursued by their mother's cries oh col col my little col col what have you done to him elliot elliot bore it like a lamb
only after they had left colin in the schoolroom he turned on gerald some day he said call call will be a perfect nuisance then you and anne'll have to pay for it why me and anne because you'll both be fools enough to keep on giving in to him i suppose said gerald bitterly you think you're clever adeline came out and overheard him and made a scene in the gallery before pinkney the footman who was bringing in the schoolroom tea she said elliot was clever enough and old enough to know better they were all old enough and gerald said it was his fault not elliot's and anne said it was hers too and adeline declared that it was all their faults and she would have to speak to their father she kept it up long after elliot and gerald had retreated to the bathroom if it had been anybody but her little call call she wouldn't have him dragged about the country till he dropped she added that call call was her favourite chapter nine it was the last week of the holidays rain had come with the west wind the hills were drawn back behind thick sheets of glassy rain shining spears of rain dashed themselves against the west windows jets of rain rose up whirling and spraying from the terrace rain ran before the wind in a silver scud along the flagged path under the south front the wind made hard thudding noises as if it pounded invisible bodies in the air it screamed high above the drumming and hissing of the rain it excited the children from three o'clock till tea-time the sponge-fight stormed up and down the passages the house was filled with the sound of thudding feet and shrill laughter adeline lay on the sofa in the library elliot was with her there she was amused but a little plaintive when they rushed into her it's perfectly awful the noise you children are making i'm tired out with it gerald flung himself on her tired what must we be but he wasn't tired his madness still worked in him it sought some supreme expression what can we play at next said anne what can we play at next said colin something quiet for goodness sake said his mother they were very quiet gerald and anne and colin as they set the booby-trap for pinkney very quiet as they watched pinkney's innocent approach the sponge caught him with a delightful squelching flump full and fair on the top of his sleek head anne shrieked with delight oh jerry did you hear him say damn they rushed back to the library to tell elliot but elliot couldn't see that it was funny he said it was a rotten thing to do when he's a servant and can't do anything to us i never thought of that said gerald it was pretty rotten i could ask him to bowl to me and let him get me out he'd do that in any case still i'll have asked him but it seemed that pinkney was in no mood to think of cricket and they had to be content with begging his pardon which he gave as he said freely yet it struck them that he looked sadder than a booby-trap should have made him it was just before bedtime that elliot told them the awful thing i suppose you know he said that pinkney's mother's dying i didn't said gerald but i might have known i noticed that when you're excited really excited something awful's bound to happen don't cry anne it was beastly of us but we didn't know no it's no use crying said elliot you can't do anything that's it anne sobbed if we only could if we could go to him and tell him we wouldn't have done it if we'd known you jolly well can't it would only bother the poor chap besides it was jerry did it not you it was me i filled the sponge we did it together what they had done was beastly setting booby traps for pinkney and laughing at him when his mother was dying but they had done it together 
the pain of her sin had sweetness in it since she shared it with jerry jerry's arm was round her as she went upstairs to bed crying they sat together on her bed holding each other's hands they faced it together you'd never have done it anne if i hadn't made you i wouldn't mind so much if we hadn't laughed at him well we couldn't help that and it wasn't as if we'd known if only we could tell him we can't he'd hate us to go talking to him about his mother he'd hate us then anne had an idea they couldn't talk to pinkney but they could write that wouldn't hurt him jerry fetched a pencil and paper from the schoolroom and anne wrote dear pinkney we didn't know we wouldn't have done it if we'd known we are awfully sorry yours truly anne severn p s you aren't to answer this gerald fielding half an hour later gerald knocked at her door anne are you in bed she got up and stood with him at the door in her innocent nightgown it's all right he said i've seen pinkney he says we aren't to worry he knew we wouldn't have done it if we'd known was he crying no laughing all the same it'll be a lesson to us he said chapter twelve where's gerald robert fielding called from the dog-cart that waited by the porch elliot sat beside him very stiff and straight painfully aware of his mother who stood on the flagged path below and made yearning faces at him doing her best at this last moment to destroy his morale colin sat behind him by gerald's place tearful but excited he was to go with them to the station elliot tried hard to look as if he didn't care and as his mother said he succeeded beautifully it was the end of the holidays adeline you might see where gerald is she went into the house and saw anne and gerald coming slowly down the stairs together from the gallery at the turn they stopped and looked at each other and suddenly he had her in his arms they kissed with close quick kisses and then stood apart listening adeline went back the monkey she thought and i who told her she didn't know how to do it gerald ran out very red in the face and defiant he gave himself to his mother's large embrace broke from it and climbed into the dog-cart the mare bounded forward gerald and elliot raised their hats shouted and were gone adeline watched while the long lines of the beech trees narrowed on them till the dog-cart swung out between the ball-topped pillars of the park gates last time their going had been nothing to her to-day she could hardly bear it she wondered why she turned and found little anne standing beside her they moved suddenly apart each had seen the other's tears chapter thirteen outside colin's window the tree rocked in the wind a branch brushed backwards and forwards it tapped on the pane its black shadow shook on the grey moonlit wall gerald's empty bed showed white and dreadful in the moonlight covered with a sheet colin was frightened a narrow passage divided his room from anne's the doors stood open he called anne anne a light thud on the floor of anne's room then the soft padding of naked feet and anne stood beside him in her white nightgown her hair rose in a black ruff round her head her eyes were very black in the sharp whiteness of her face are you frightened colin no i'm not exactly frightened but i think there's something there it's nothing only the tree i mean in jerry's bed oh no colin dare you he said sit on it of course i dare now you see now you won't be frightened you know colin said i don't mind a bit when gerald's there 
the ghosts never come then because he frightens them away the clock struck ten they counted the strokes anne still sat on gerald's bed with her knees drawn up to her chin and her arms clasped round them i'll tell you a secret colin said only you mustn't tell i won't really and truly really and truly i think gerald's the wonderfulest person in the whole world when i grow up i'm going to be like him you couldn't be not now but when i'm grown up i say you couldn't be not even then gerald can't sing and he can't play i don't care but you mustn't do what he can if you want to be like him when i'm singing and playing i shall pretend i'm not you needn't you won't ever be him i shall call call i don't want you to be like him i don't want anybody else to be like gerald in the whole world but said colin i shall be like him chapter fourteen every night adeline still came to see anne in bed the little thing had left off pretending to be asleep she lay with eyes wide open yielding sweetly to the embrace to-night her eyelids lay shut slack on her eyes and adeline thought she's really asleep the little lamb better not touch her she was going away when a sound stopped her a sound of sobbing anne anne are you crying a tremulous drawing in of breath a shaking under the bedclothes on anne's white cheek the black eyelashes were parted and pointed with her tears she had been crying a long time adeline knelt down her face against anne's face what is it darling tell me anne shivered oh anne i wish you loved me you don't ducky a little bit i do i do really and truly then give me a kiss the proper kind anne gave her the tight deep kiss that was the proper kind now tell me what it is she knew by anne's surrender that this time it was not her mother i don't know you do know is it jerry do you want jerry at the name anne's crying broke out again savage violent adeline held her close and let the storm beat itself out against her heart you can't want him more than i do little anne you'll have him when he comes back and i shan't i shall be gone you'll come again darling you'll come again end of part one recording by expatriate in bangor maine